Would you pray with me once more? Lord, we ask that your spirit would be in this place, in our hearts and our ears, to hear you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture passage for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Let us listen to God's word. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of our sins, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We know all things work for good for those who love God. We know. There are a lot of things I know. Maybe not a lot, but there certainly are a few. I know that 2 plus 2 is 4. I know that plants need water to grow, although I don't usually get my plants to grow. I know that I like the color yellow. I know that I hate bananas. I know that Brian is a morning person and likes to be super chatty. I know that I am not a morning person and don't want to talk to anyone. I know that water is made of hydrogen and oxygen. I know that gravity keeps us grounded. I know that poetry is good for the soul. There are a lot of things I know. There's a lot of things you know. But knowing that all things work together for good for those who love God. That's something perhaps I don't know so well. How how can that be? Cancer. How can that be worked together for good? 
Parents watching their children die at far too young of age, how can that be worked together for good? Addictions, violence, war, betrayal, shame, how in the world can all of that be worked together for good? How can broken dreams be worked together for good? How can broken hearts be worked together for good? How can hurts too deep, betrayals too grave, neglect too often? How in the world can all of those things be worked together for good? When I was in college, I worked for a small church in Hueytown, Alabama. There was a couple that took me under their wing right away, Kay and Clyde. Kay is all of 4'10", but you could not pay me to fight her. She's strong, she's independent, she's blunt, she's feisty. Let me just say, when I grow up, I want to be Kay Cummins. Her husband, Clyde, is quite the opposite, very patient, very kind. Where Kay got frustrated by anything and everything, Clyde simply plodded along, loving life. Everything was beautiful to Clyde. All people had potential for growth and betterment. They were good for each other. Kay made sure that Clyde wasn't manipulated into all kinds of things, and Clyde made sure that Kay had fun in her life, too. One day, I got a phone call. Through tears, all I heard was, Clyde is in the ER. Please come. So I left class, went straight to the hospital. While there, I found out that Clyde had been outside working, probably in his mid-60s, pretty healthy, except for the fact that he was on an oxygen tank all the time. You see, Clyde was a miner. And after years of inhaling all of that coal dust, his lungs couldn't take it anymore. It had built up to the point where he had to have that oxygen tank at all times. But Clyde was a worker, a hard worker, and he didn't ask other people for help. And there was a tree branch in his backyard that needed to be cut down. So he pulled out the ladder, climbed up, cut down the branch. But as he was coming back down, he lost his balance and fell. That's why Clyde was in the hospital to begin with. When I got there, Clyde was minimally responsive, twitch of the arm, barely breathing. I grabbed his hand and began to pray. I promise you, I promise you, I saw the corners of his mouth just give me a little smile. Weeks went by and Clyde did not recover. Early one morning, I got the phone call no one ever wants to get. Mike, I need you to come to the hospital right now. This is it. Clyde won't make it any longer. I put on my pastor face, because I have one of those, held it together just long enough to be a support for Kay. But in all honesty, when I got home, I lost it. I was so angry. I was so angry and so mad. I was so sure that Clyde was going to recover. He was so faithful, so kind, such an example of a Christian. I was mad and I was hurting because I loved Clyde. We know all things work together for good for those who love God. Clyde loved God more than anything in the world. He loved God. And in that moment, this didn't seem very good. In fact, it was a nightmare. But you see, there's a big difference between saying God does all things for good and saying God works 
all things together for good. There are things that happen in our lives that are simply awful. They are no fun. God does not do those things. If you tell me that God made pride fall off the ladder, I will absolutely call you crazy. But if you tell me that God worked through that for good, eight years later, I can see that. I know that. God didn't do it. He didn't want it to happen. But once it did, God had the power to work it all together for good. Eight years later, I can see that. But when you're in it, when I got that phone call that day, I didn't see that. I was mad and I was hurting. I loved him and I loved his grieving wife. I didn't see it and think, wow, God will work all this together for good. In fact, I wasn't really quite sure where God was in that moment. Wasn't sure what to say. Definitely wasn't sure how to pray. Which is why this text of God working all things together for good is in the same passage as the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Because when you can't see how God is working all for good, you need help with knowing how to pray. We need the Spirit in those tough moments because we do not know how to pray as we ought. We do not know how to pray as we ought. William Willimon is a professor and pastor. He tells a story as he enters a hospital room with apprehension. His friend George had gotten a bad diagnosis the day before. Cancer. Things didn't look so good. George, how's it going, he says as he walks into the room. Preacher, I'm just, I'm glad you're here. I need some help. What kind of help? Well, you see, I can't figure out what to pray for. I mean, do I pray for healing? Surely God knows I want to be healed, but why should I be healed and not everybody else who's in this hospital? What makes me so special? A lot of people my age get cancer. Why should I think that my cancer is different from theirs? And why should God look upon me with favor? On the other hand, I really do want to be healed. If I'm healed, think of all the good things I could do. I could continue to work for the church. But maybe I'm just being self-deceptive. Just like a frightened kid, he'll promise God anything. Who am I? Who am I to be coming to God asking for all this? I've had a pretty lousy prayer life. Don't give God the time of day on most days. So here I've come like a blathering idiot, begging, wheeling, and dealing. Who am I to be making such a prayer? Now, I don't know this George from Adam. But my guess is that he's already pretty much got it right. At least if the counsel of Paul can be trusted. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Apostle says, For we do not know how to pray as we ought. Sometimes the scriptures can be painfully honest and direct and right on target. This, my friends, is one of those times we do not know how to pray as we ought. This is simply the painful truth. When faced with real-life problems, we do not know how to pray as we ought. When grief overwhelms us again, even though we feel as though it has outstayed its welcome. 
when our home lives are tense and stressful, when pain and sickness strike our bodies, when our kids are sick and we can't fix it, when our spouses are hurt and it's because of us, when our friends have betrayed us, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Even Paul didn't have the right words to say. Even Paul found himself flabbergasted and unsure of how to pray. But Jesus taught us how, right? I don't think it should be that difficult. We're given a script, a script we're about to recite a little later in this service. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Isn't that the script we're given? When was the last time you really looked at that script? Have you opened up that prayer as the one who hurt you is sitting beside you? Have you opened up that prayer when you can't fix the illness, the betrayal, the hurt? Have you looked at how to pray? Does it make you feel guilty? Sometimes I do. Praying only when things fall apart. Does it confuse you? Some are healed, others don't. Some problems go away, but others don't. I can't tell you why that happens. I wish I could. But I can say, I can say that praying for healing still feels right. And praying for God's will to be done will be the hardest thing you ever do. I can say that forgiving others can feel like dying. How do I forgive when I feel so hurt? I know forgiving is not easy, but the script tells us forgive others because we have been forgiven. Jesus taught us how to pray, to pray for forgiveness, to pray for God's will. He taught us to pray for our daily needs. Jesus taught us to pray, but still we do not know how to pray as we ought. That's the painful truth. But there is a thread of hope. The hope is that the Spirit of God intercedes for us when we do not know how to pray. The Spirit of God intercedes with sighs too deep for words. How ought we to pray? By letting God intercede. That's how. Prayer is the relationship God uses to align our hearts to His Prayer is how we stay in touch with God and step with him, leaning on him, while he works all things together for good. And that process is not overnight. It does not come easy. It takes time. But that commitment is built into who God is. He takes situations and works them into something better, into something good. We've all heard about how God created in Genesis chapter 1. It says that the earth was without form. It was void. Words for that in Hebrew are tohu and bohu, which, by the way, if you type into a word document, it likes to change to tohu, which is not what I'm talking about. 
Tohu and Bohu, form and voidless, chaos. So in Genesis chapter 1, things are out of control. They are wrong. They are broken beyond repair. God's spirit is dwelling over the chaos, hovering over the wasteland. Since the beginning, God steps into the tohu and the bohu and makes it good. God begins speaking over the chaos and he speaks light into darkness. And then it moves from chaos into something good. He continues to speak until he has created everything from tohu and bohu to earth and sky and plants and humans. And he calls it very good. From tohu and bohu to very good. He does the same in our lives. The Spirit of God dwells over the chaos that is our lives, and he makes things somehow work together for good. From the tohu of cancer to good, from the bohu of grief to good, from the tohu of death to good, from the bohu of chronic illness to good, from the tohu of rejection and the bohu of uncertainty to good. Because God works all things together for good for those who love him. And we love him. We love him. Those who love him, God is not finished with the chaos of our lives. And until he's finished, until he is finished, his spirit continues to speak, to intercede with groans too deep for words. That was true in Genesis chapter 1. That was true when Kay's husband passed away. That is true still. Spirit dwells in us through the tohu and the bohu, until the good comes. Let us pray. Lord, even as we come to you in prayer, we know that there are things going on in our lives that are not good. We can see them. Lord, we also trust in this promise from Romans 8, and we simply ask that you take the not good, and work it together somehow. This morning we place our trust in you once more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.